Hello and welcome to another episode of the Journal of Isakos podcast. My name is Dr. Andreas Voss and together with Dr. Manos Briliakis, we're more than happy to have Dr. Thess Tremann from the Department of Orthopedic Surgery at the Stanford University, Redford City in California with us today. In this episode, we will talk about his recently published current concept article titled Return to Sport Following Anterior Cruciate Ligament Reconstruction the argument for a multimodal approach to optimize decision-making in the Journal of Isikos. Hello, there, and thank you for your time to join our podcasts. So maybe you thanks can for... tell us a few words about your clinical and scientific background. Sure, thanks for having me. I'm uh, really excited to be here representing uh, Isikos Knee Preservation Committee and also uh, my co-authors uh, of our work from around the world. Um, I'm an associate professor at Stanford. I'm a fellowship director of sports medicine fellowship and also a team physician for our Stanford Cardinal football athletes. So what was your motivation for this study? Yeah, so this uh, study was the brainchild of uh, Carl Erickson, our close friend and colleague. Several of the other uh, authors have either been guests or members of the ACL study group and all of us obviously heavily involved in Isikos. Uh, we wanted to put together a symposium uh, under the Knee Preservation uh, Committee, and we wanted a topic that is engaging and controversial uh, and evolving. And I think that uh, anything surrounding return to sport, timeframes and uh, goals and expectations for ACL surgery is just ripe for discussion. Perfect. So this publication is a result of the EasyCoast 2020 symposium. Can you briefly describe the process of this work? Sure. So, uh, you know, when we uh, got together to brainstorm the symposium, we really thought about some of the critical factors that we should look at and deep dive with regard to return to sport following ACL reconstruction. And then we divided amongst the authors uh, from the different geographic regions to tackle this. So basically, as you go through the article, uh, we uh, challenge and think about time based versus functional based criteria. Uh, we also think about the biology of healing and uh, the effect of graft choice on return to sport. Um, and then we think about uh, uh, how we may in the future or at present incorporate uh, different imaging into our uh, algorithms for assessing a return to sport. And so basically uh, trying to bring uh, the best evidence multidisciplinary uh, from uh, these different um, uh you know, areas together um, to help clinicians uh, with their athletes make good decisions for safe and expedient return to play. So as you already mentioned this process, in your publication, you highlight three current concepts in the treatment of ACL injury. The first was evidence suggests that modifications of surgical technique, including periosteal flap incorporation and orthobiology augmentation may have potential to accelerate graft uh, maturation in return to play following anterior cruciate ligament reconstruction. So what answer does your article give to this concept? Uh, I think uh, more questions than answers, which makes it fun and ripe for further study. But, you know, I think in, in general, uh, what we know is that we clearly need a graft to heal uh, uh, to reduce the risk of when they go back to play. There's obviously many other factors we'll get into later, but uh, how can we enhance that healing? And I think, you know, some of the focus is on the aperture healing within the tunnel or at that interface, 
or within the tendon that has to go through a process to turn into a ligament or both. And so, you know, I think the 10,000 foot view at this point is that several investigators around the country and world are thinking about novel ways to do this. Uh, certainly there's some promise with orthobiologics, uh, uh, PRP, uh, or um, other things that people may use within the graft or at the interface. Um, however, uh, there's really not robust data to support uh, global adoption at present. I think we all need to keep our heads in the game and in this space, I think it's a very important part of our strategy to return athletes safely uh, without risk of re-rupture. But I don't have one uniform recommendation for you today in 2022. And just for me personally, I'm not outside of any uh, study scenarios using any of the things we discussed um, uh, in our article uh, routinely for ACL reconstruction. I do think if we're talking biology and maturation though, we do think obviously about bone, tendon, bone and how that heals versus tendons into a tunnel and how that heals because they're different and the timeframes are somewhat different. And to the extent that that influences return to sport, you know, I think needs to be acknowledged. Perfect, thank you. The second concept would be functional testing and postoperative imaging historically have not been used in the ACL return to play literature as a mainstay of decision-making, but evidence suggests a helpful role. So what kind of helpful role did you find for Imogen and how can you use it? Yeah, I think uh, the main point for everything, for everybody that's listening uh, uh, out around the world is that I think the days of just minimum time criteria are over. It's not enough to say six months, oh, you're feeling uh, well, uh, go back to sport. I think we need to combine that minimum time for biology, and that might be a moving target based on how well we can heal, but then functional criteria. And we don't have the perfect battery of functional criteria, and we don't know that it 1 million percent reduces our overall you know, risk, particularly subtle risk, but it definitely can uh, eliminate those outliers, and it can give you a scientific way to evaluate your own patients. So for example, they need to, uh, you can do some of the main tests like drop vertical jump or Y balance or the hop test. I mean, these tests uh, uh, in at least isolation or in battery are, are quite excellent. Uh, we can combine those with subjective outcome scores. We can combine those with uh, site readiness uh, scores. And these are things that your athletes can take uh, in a couple of minutes. And so I guess just be thoughtful and mindful of not just time, but also function. Uh, and that will help us uh, to reduce some of these um, you know, early uh, return failures. Um, with regard to imaging, I think this is interesting and promising. Uh, certainly the graphs um, go through uh, a remodeling phase, uh, finishing with ligamentization, and that looks different on MRI. Uh, obviously, it's hard to image everybody and it's hard to correlate exactly what it looks like on MRI with how people are functioning. So I think that's, you know, again, uh, a place for really nice, uh, you know, prospective investigation. Uh, we are under Connie Chu's guidance at Stanford, uh, um, basically imaging as many ACLs as we can over as long a time as we can. And we do robust uh, functional testing and subjective scores. So we'll try to get that information out there. 
Um, I guess for you, Andres, one thing that scares me when we have an athlete who looks good, their Lachman and pivot shift are negative, their muscles are good. And because they're maybe an elite athlete, we're trying to get more information and you MRI them and the graph doesn't look good yet. Right. So where do you go with that? You know, it's intact. So more questions than answers. But I think uh, MRI is the right tool uh, and different sequencing uh, and correlating it with everything else uh, will be our ticket home uh, to crack that uh, nut. Perfect, thank you. And the third uh, concept, the optimal evidence-based approach to identifying the earliest time point at which an athlete can safely return to play following ACL reconstruction is yet to be determined. Do you have an answer for that? <laughs> no, I, I counsel my patients, as I said before, I mean, there's minimum time for biology. So for me, my hard red line is six months, but then I tell them that it's based on function. And then that to me, in most patients is eight to 12 months. Revisions will be longer, uh, but it really depends on how they progress through my phases of rehab from the low impact to the linear to the um, you know, lateral movements, plyometrics, sport specific, uh, and then what their sport is, uh, how confident they are. Of course, you need a stable uh, graph, so you need to have all the um, you know uh, testing for Lachman pivot shift. Uh, if you still have a residual pivot glide or an actual pivot shift, that's a non-starter. Uh, if you have meniscus or chondral issues that can push timeframes back or forward, uh, depending on whether they're present or not. Um, so I just use these as general guidelines but unfortunately, you know, everybody is uh, different. Um, I'd also like to touch on um, the one other uh, avenue that, that doesn't really fully help us, but it's good to include here. Uh, I don't know if you're going to get to it, but as far as graft choice, um, you know, I think uh, for me personally, uh, I think about um, the risk of failure when I'm choosing different graphs like bone tendon bone or more now quad autograph, uh, less now for me personally, hamstring autograph and a small select group of uh, allograph for my older uh, athletes. Um, uh, but I think uh, to me that that's not necessarily if we're choosing this one to perfectly return to sport faster or better versus the other one. It's more about their risk of failure when they try to get back to those activities or who actually can attain that. So what is your preferred technique for ACL reconstruction? And did your results change your clinical practice? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think this, uh, even rereading this article before this podcast changed my clinical practice because the way that I think about this or thought about this 12 to 18 months ago is, is actually continuing to evolve. And I think we understand where we're struggling and where we're not collecting data and we try to be better. Um, for me, uh, for my young athletes, my elite athletes or my under 21s, I'm trying to do bone tendon bone autographed when I can and if I can. If I don't have a contraindication such as a kneeling athlete uh, or significant Ajgud Schlatters or Patella Alta, then my go-to is BTB. It's the quote-unquote gold standard here in the United States. It's used in elite athletes around the world. It's time-tested. It certainly is not perfect. It has its issues. It needs to be technically meticulous and it can be challenging if you do it in low volume. That's why I like to keep my numbers up with DTB. 
however, uh, quad autographs has really come into vogue for me uh, more recently. I think uh, quad can be used in my practice now, dealer's choice for some of those elite athletes. I use it uh, soft tissue only. It tends to be less painful. I think the literature supports you actually lose your quad a bit less than BTB, so you can rehab a bit more effectively early. You can use it after BTB. You can use it in skeletally immature um, uh, athletes. Um, and so uh, there's a, a good amount of uh, modularity uh, with the quad that's made it uh, quite a good workhorse for, for my 20, 30, and 40-year-old active patients. Uh, I use Allograft uh, for a small subset of patients, typically 40 and above, most with meniscus tears who are high um, uh, cutting and pivoting athletes still, uh, and I need to fix their meniscus and they need an ACL reconstruction and uh, Autograft, uh, you know, may, um, you know, they're willing to accept the slower rates of ligamentization and the slower rehabilitation. They need to get back to life faster. They don't want the pain early. They don't want to brace as much. So there are variables there that, that push me towards Allograft. I never use Allograft in younger uh, patients. Uh, and then what might be controversial for Jisikas is that just in my bias from HSS, from Rush, from my own practice, I'm taking from the anterior chain, quad and BTB, and I'm very rarely taking the hamstrings. Uh, at this point, I don't have a, a real patient category that would benefit from hamstrings. I don't think it's wrong to do it, of course, and they're very popular around the country and world, um, but just not in my practice. If I had a high-risk athlete, I had to do a hamstring, I'd add a lateral extraticular tenodesis to it, but I really just am, am using uh, the other autographs as discussed. The hamstrings, obviously, help uh, pull the tibia back. Uh, they um, are symbiotic with the ACL. So if all things are created equal in graft choice, I'm not sure uh, you know, why uh, personally I'd have to go there. I don't wanna worry about folding a graft. I don't wanna worry about diameter issues. I don't wanna worry about the risks of laxity or uh, the slightly higher infection rates. I just, I really don't have those um, uh, concerns when I'm dealing with my primary graft choices. Perfect, thank you. And finally, what uh, is your take-home message from your article uh, in regards to young knee surgeons? Yeah, I think um, it's a really exciting space. And I think that those of us in the ACL study group and those of us in ISACOS uh, committees and leadership really want the young surgeons to engage. Uh, you can pick up on any of these major points, the time, the function, the site readiness, biology, graft, imaging, graph choice, or all the above, and really start tackling uh, the issues thoughtfully in your own practices. And then you can present it on the world stage. And we're all listening because we don't have the answers. And I think that the young surgeons uh, should know that we uh, are all doing this because we love it. We're passionate about athletes. And I think that um, we are willing and uh, ready to collaborate and engage. So don't be shy. Perfect. Thank you, Seth, for, for your time. And once again, and thank you for sharing your insight and your on your article. And hopefully we'll have you back for next uh, podcast with the next publication in the Journal of Isakos. Absolutely. Thank you, Andres. And you have a great day around the world. See you guys. This was Associate Professor Dr. Andreas Voss from the University Hospital of Regensburg in Germany on behalf of the Journal of Isakos. We hope to have you back for our next episode. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the society or the journal.